And I don't know about you, but five extra pounds, I think I'd be doing pretty good. Christmas can get kind of crazy and stressful and out of control if we let it. And, and you know, one of the things that can be particularly stressful is trying to take the perfect Christmas family portrait. And, and, and this week, I asked my daughter, Leela, and uh, uh, Lindsay Murray to uh, join me in a hunt to find some really funny family Christmas portraits. And uh, those families said, hey, we're trying to get the perfect portrait, but it just didn't work out so well. Here, here are a couple of ones we found. And that's like, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. It, I mean, if you're, right? I mean, they don't look so happy. I hate this. I like this one here. This is a good one. All right. That's some strong tape right there. Hey, hey, this is little Sarah's first Christmas. Smile for the camera. <laughs> and I'll, here's, oh, this is great, right? Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. How lovely. No, it's not. Um, and this one here is just. Because here's the deal. Here's, here's what you know. You know someone either made that or bought that and actually thought it looked good. And they said, hey, let's dress all the, all the guys in a brown ugly sweater and the ladies in all red ugly, right? And this family right here, I hope that's no one's family. If it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and this family here said, let's just all be ugly, right? Let's just all dress ugly, right? You know? And, and, and here, here's, here's the center right here. You know, okay, it's kind of <laughs> makes me think, yeah, makes me think of uh, Elvis, you know. I'll have a dark Christmas without you. Oh, yeah? Okay, and, and, and this one right here, this one here, is, this one's just, that's just plain creepy. That's just creepy. I don't care what you tell me. That is creepy, right? All right, get that out of there, okay? And this, everybody feels in family, I hate this. I hate this, right? Because what we really want to see, right, we really want to see what, what, how were you guys acting before they snapped those smiling faces, right? Because we know what was going on, right? You weren't so happy, right? All right, so, uh, well, this morning, we're kicking off a, 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 a little series I'm calling Portraits of Christmas. Um, it's going to conclude on December the 28th, and because if you think about it, there are a lot of portraits that are associated with, with Christmas. Now, today, we're going to talk about a portrait of destiny. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about a, a, a portrait of significance. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we have a 3 o'clock and a 5 o'clock identical services and then we're going to talk about a portrait of, of God. And then on the 28th of, of December, um, three days after Christmas, we're going to talk about a portrait of worship. And we're going to, you know, the wise men, they kind of, they kind of missed the whole manger scene. They showed up a little bit late. And, but what do these guys teach us about worship? And, and then just to let you know, uh, after that, on, on uh, January the 4th, uh, I, I got a title for a message. I don't have a message yet, but I like my title. Uh, <clears throat> January the 4th, Putting the New into the New Year. That's cool. If I could find a sermon to go with the title, we'd be good, you know. And, 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 then, and then on January the 11th, we're, we're, we're beginning a series that, that, that I, I, I personally need, and that's why we're starting with it. And, and uh, I'm calling it Tuned In, Hearing His Voice Above the Noise, you know. And, and I share many times, and I'm, you know, that, that you know, I, I am, there's voices, there's always chatter going on in my mind and in my head, telling me things that aren't true, telling me who I am, and Sunday morning, the chatter is always amped up to the nth degree, and, and in this message, we're going to talk about how, how do we tune into God's voice so that we can hear, hear his voice above the noise, above the noise of this world, above the noise of your critics, uh, above the noise of your own voice, right? How do we hear God's voice? And it's going to be an incredible series, I'm hoping. And, uh, and, and then also remember on the 11th, that, that is when we're, 
we're making the move to have two identical services where our praise team will be leading us into God's presence each morning. Uh, the two service times are going to be, we have a 9 o'clock service and a 1045 service. And your connection card, the next few weeks, we kind of want you to fill these things out. And, and, uh, and uh, it, it has a little, little box you can check. I plan on attending first service. I planned on attending second service, right? And we want everybody to fill one of those blocks out. And then there's a third block that you, it's optional where it's like, hey, I'm willing to move, right? Because we want to try to get these balanced if we can as much as possible, kind of knowing that most people like to sleep in, so the later one will always be more crowded. But if you can, hey, I plan on first, plan on second, I'm willing to move if I am asked or you twist my arm hard enough, okay? But all of that is still four weeks off. And today we're, we're kicking off this new series about one of the portraits we see in the first Christmas story, and this one is called A Portrait of, of Destiny. And the word destiny, it's a noun, and here's, here's some definitions. The inevitable or necessary fate to which a particular person or thing is destined, one's lot. Another definition, the predetermined, usually inevitable or irresistible course of events. Um, number three, the power agency that determines the course of events. Number four could be the name of Steve's GPS, right? I got a lady on my GPS voice, and I call her Destiny, because Destiny always gets me to my destination, most times, most times. All right, all right, and here are some, here are some definitions or quotes I found about Destiny this week that I thought were really good. Um, Tony Robbins, it is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. That's true. And here's William Jennings Bryan. Destiny is no matter of choice. It's, a ma it's no matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. It's not a thing to be waited for. It's a thing to be achieved. C.S. Lewis said that hardships, are you in one right now, often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. Uh, J.K. Rowling said, destiny is the name often given in retrospect the choices that had dramatic consequences. They were calling it destiny, but really we made a choice, and that's why we wound up where we were. Um, Steve Maraboli, uh, I love this one. Today is a new day. Don't let your history interfere with your destiny. That's good. Let today be the day you stop being a victim of your circumstances and start taking action towards the life you want. Uh, next quote, Irvin McManus, we have been called out of the mundane and to light beyond our wildest imagination, we have a mission, a purpose, a destiny. T.S. Eliot, destiny waits the hand of God, shaping the still unshapen. And I really like this one right here by Dag Hammarskjöld. He was former secretary of the UN. We are, we are not permitted to choose the frame of our destiny, but what we put into it, it is ours. It is ours. It is ours. Now I'm going to ask you guys if you would stand. And, and, and we do this every now and then when I get ready to read scripture because I, I want to read some scriptures that talk about what is our destiny as a Jesus follower. And before I read these verses, I, I want to ask a, a, just a few questions and you don't have to answer them out loud unless you want to. Um, I'm reading scripture. I'm going to read some scripture. Do you believe that what I'm about to read is true? Do you believe that it's true even for you? And you, do you believe that even though you may have heard some of these scriptures countless times, 
Do you believe that God could still use these very same scriptures to speak to you in a new, fresh, powerful, and transforming way? Uh, Me too, right? Because it's not just a book, right? I mean, we're not talking about just a book. We're not just talking about words on a page. We're talking about something that was God-breathed, something that is alive and active. Here's what, here, here we go, right here, these scriptures. Here's your destiny as a Jesus follower. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. I know it's hard right now. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Isaiah 43, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It is I who created them. Romans 8, 29, Paul says, God knew his people in advance, that would be us, and he chose them to become like his son. And Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's talking about how when we come to Christ, this veil the world puts in front of us that we really can't see what God is saying, this kind of filter that blocks it out. When we come to Christ, that veil is removed. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is a spirit. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who've had, had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The question, what is our destiny as Jesus followers? You know, to become more and more like Christ and to be used for his honor and his glory. That's the frame, right? That's the frame all of us have, and it's what you and I put into it as individuals that belongs to us. Uh, Would you pray with me? God, we love you, and God, we just humbly come into your presence. Lord, there's no one like you. God, no one compares to you. You are an ever-present help in times of trouble. God, you speak to us in so many ways. And God, 2,000 years ago, you spoke to us by sending your son as a, as a little baby. I mean, Lord, if you, didn't, if you didn't tell us this story, we could never have made something like this up, God becoming a baby. But yet you did because you love us. And God, I pray today that, God, that you'll give us open hearts and minds that will realize that, that you're the one that determines our destiny and that the frame has already been set. And God, that you empower us to live a life that brings you honor and glory. God, help me to speak well for you. Help me to seek to please only you. Help me to hear from you today, even as I stand up here and speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, y'all can grab a seat. And and again, our destiny as Jesus' followers is to become more and more like Christ and to be used for his honor and glory. And in the first Christmas story, we see an awesome portrait of destiny painted on the canvas of three lives. elderly couple and, and, and a teenage girl. And, and in fact, they're three of my favorite characters in the Christmas story. And they're three people who, you know, who I can guarantee were not expecting to be asked to be in the Messiah's Christmas family portrait, right? I mean, if they got in it, they would have had a photobomb the thing, right? You know what a photobomb? I, was, I didn't have time today. I looked up top 10 photobombs of all time, right? You know what a photobomb is? You know, you're taking pictures and your wife, you're smiling, love each other. Someone goes, ah! Right behind you, right? That's like a photobomb, right? Photobomb, you know. And, and if, if, they're like, hey, if anyway we're going to get into this thing, and we're not going to be invited, right? We're going to have to photobomb it. But little did they know, 
that God had a plan all along uh, to make this elderly couple and this teenage girl to be part of his first Christmas portrait. And, and, uh, and so what I want to do as we look at their portrait is to remind us of some things. And, and, and you, you see, the, the deal is, and I agree with C.S. Lewis, and that, that we don't so much need to be reminded of new truth as we, uh, told new truth as we need to be reminded of new. I totally said that wrong. So la ta da ha pa da right? Don't say it. You got it, right? You're with me, right? I feel it. I feel it. No, it's like, I'm okay. Some of you are wanting to give me love anyhow, right? Say, so, yeah, we're with you, Steve. You totally screwed that up, but yeah, we know what you meant, all right? We don't so much need to hear new truth, but be reminded of old truth, right? And, and here's some truth that we know. Maybe we heard it before. Destiny, it's never too late. Destiny, it's never too early. Destiny, it's what we do with what he has done and what he does. Destiny, it's never too late. Now, this portrait of our destiny begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and here's some words you've heard. Every Christmas you hear these words, right? In the time of Herod, king of Judah. And this would be the guy that history knew as Herod the Great. He He was a puppet king of the Roman Empire. He was a crafty and cruel politician, he was not a godly guy. He didn't like God. He, he didn't like God's people. I mean, he's the same guy that, uh, that Matthew tells us that gave out an order for, for, for soldiers to go in and to murder all the children in Bethlehem in an effort to kill the Messiah. I mean, murdering innocent children. That's horrific. And, and, and I need to just pause right here because I don't know if you've seen this, and we can, we can see it on Facebook but not feel the impact of it. You know, a couple years ago, we watched this video, Love Costs Everything, and it showed us the church being persecuted in Iraq, and we met this pastor in Iraq. And, and, and just this week, the same pastor told us about, you may not have known this, and this is unbelievable, but, you know, ISIS in Iraq, they beheaded four children that goes to this, go to this guy's church because they would not denounce Jesus, you know? And, and, and that should feel heavy to us, right? I, I mean, you know... They would not die Jesus, and they had their heads cut off. And we can't even imagine that, right? I mean, we saw this program. Could you imagine? I'm not trying to, you know, bring us down, but you know what? I mean, could you imagine for those kids in the play that after the play got drug off and that happened to them? You know, but we have brothers and sisters, right? We come in here freely. Only thing that keeps us out of God's house and serving God is ourselves. And four children, you know, lost their lives because they wouldn't deny Jesus, you know? And, and, and what an example they are to us. You know, but I want us to just take a moment to pray for that church, right? And, and, and to pray for, for their families and, and, and to pray for us. Father God, we humbly come into your presence. We don't deserve the freedom that we have. And we thank you for the, the many men and women in the various branches of our service who have given us that freedom. And God, forgive us for taking it lightly, taking it for granted. And God, we pray for our, our, our brothers and sisters in that church in Iraq right now. God, what they must be feeling, uh, what the parents must be feeling if they're still alive, what that church must be feeling. God, we thank you for their faithfulness to you. And God, I pray you continue to give them strength to stay true to you. And God, I I pray that their sacrifice, that what they're willing to pay, God, will inspire us in the American church, God. We've been given much and much is required. 
And God, I just pray you'll move us to, to make a difference, Lord, and, and, and to be willing to pay whatever we need to pay to see your kingdom advance in our lives and in this place and around the world. Just fill that place with your comfort. And God, I pray that very soon you would remove the evil that would seek to harm innocent children. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the guy that was in power when Jesus Christ came as that little baby. And despite all this, you know, in addition to all this, rather, you know, he, he, was, a, he was one of the, uh, the most legendary builders of that time, building epic structures, cities, palaces, temples, places of worship, including the temple. They've even unearthed some of the stones in the wall that Herod built, and they were 36 feet by 12 feet by 12 feet, and they weighed as much as a Boeing 747. And he made sure that just like Nike, his Herod swoosh, right, was everywhere. Everybody knew, hey, this, is, this city, this place, these things are dedicated to Herod. And this is a setting, the times of Herod, for the arrival of the greatest human event in history, the coming of Christ. And it didn't look like, to God's people, that this was a time when anything significant or great would happen. In fact, most people had given up hope. And when it came to faith and following God's command, they felt, why bother? I mean, what difference did it make to follow God and do what is right? I mean, he's been silent for 400 years. However, there was a faithful remnant, and we're about to meet two of them. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. You know, he was a pastor. Uh, she was a pastor's wife, and she was a, a PK, a pastor's kid when she was growing up. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very what? Very old. So, so we know that, hey, you know, he's a pastor. She's a pastor's wife. Um, they're both very old, you know, well advanced in years, probably in their 80s. And I got to tell you, I, I have a lot of trouble finding old people today. You know, everywhere I go, it's like, where are the old people? Right, there used to be old people everywhere, and now everybody looks like about my age. They look like my peers now. That's where they went, Steve. They look just like you, you know. I mean, Bob's, Bob's son, Ryan, was visiting with us. He's like, what, how old is Ryan? He's 41. I'm saying, yeah, I'm really glad Ryan came to the group when he's in town. He's such a nice, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I was, was going to say kid. How can I say a 41-year-old guy's a kid? You know, I'm getting old. Right? Well, these guys were well advanced in the years. They had no children. You know, and understand that not have children in that culture was not only emotionally devastating, it was financially dangerous. You know, there, were no, there was no social security. Uh, there, was, there was no assisted living centers, no Medicare. And, and so when you got old, your children in general, your son specifically, would have to take care of you. Therefore, being old and not having any children meant great danger. But listen, even though things did not go their way, even though things did not go the way they wanted them to go, even though God had not answered the prayer, their prayers as they had hoped, they never turned their backs on God. Even though things did not go the way they wanted them to go, even though God had not answered their prayers as they had hoped, they never turned their backs on God. God, God we know that you're all-powerful and that you're the one that both opens and closes the womb. We believe the Bible. Uh, uh, we believe in you. If you want to give us a baby, that would be great. We'd love to be parents. But if not, if not, 
If you don't do what we want, we're still going to love you. We're still going to serve you. And that is what they did. I mean, they're in their 80s. Their prayers are still not answered. And they're still loving God. They're still worshiping, still praying, still serving, still giving, even though. And I think God has a question for us who claim his name. Do we have an even though faith? A faith that says, hey, even though things do not go the way that I want them to go, I'm still going to worship you, God. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to follow you. And I'm still going to give you the best of what I have, even though. Even though. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a, a great crowd stood outside praying, and he'd be in the most holy place, and he'd be offering this incense, and people outside would be on their knees, <coughs> hands lifted, praying to God. And, and the way it was kind of set up, there were like over 20,000 priests divided into 24 different divisions, and each division went to Jerusalem for two weeks a year, and when they went for those two weeks, they would roll the dice every day to see who got to go into the most holy place and do the really awesome job of offering incense onto the altar as, as a sign of praying to God, all right? And, and, and that was what they wanted to do. And once you did it one time, you never got to do it again. And so for so Zechariah, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I don't know how long, he kept showing up, they kept rolling the dice, and he kept not getting picked. I mean, he's like the guy in gym class. He never got picked. And now he's getting pretty old. And he's starting to wonder, you know, will I ever get picked? Because some guys never got picked. And do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that this, this being used by God to bring him honor and glory thing, you ever feel like, man, that's like never really going to happen for me? But you know what Zachariah kept doing? He kept showing up. He kept showing up, which is a good thing because you know what? Here, here I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, listen. Our destiny does not unfold in our timing, but in God's timing. Our destiny does not unfold in our timing, but in God's timing. And so he kept showing up. Kept showing up year after year, despite the disappointment, despite the prayers not being answered. And guess what? One day, God began to unfold the destiny of this man. The dice is thrown, and guess what? He gets picked. And, and, and now what, you know, uh, the offering of incense in, in Scripture is symbolic of the prayers of God's people. And we see this pictured in a powerful way in Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, it's talking about the Lion of Judah, which happens to be a lamb, and how this lamb is worthy to take the scroll. And then we read these words. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Which, by the way, is the exact position to take before the lamb. Down on her face before him. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls. It's happening right now. Full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So when you pray, have you prayed recently? Then picture that way, that, that your prayers are in this golden bowl in the throne room of God. And they're rising up as a sweet aroma to your Father in heaven. So here is Zachariah's big moment. He comes in. It's a one-shot deal. He drops the incense. He closes his eyes, opens his eyes, and here's what happens. 
while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Like, no kidding. You know, I know Hallmark you know, can make angels look cute and cuddly, but if we ever see an angel, the last thing we're going to say is, hey, can I cuddle you? You're not going to want to cuddle that sucker, man. You're going to fall down on your face. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God heard your prayer. What prayer? He's still praying. He's 80. His wife's not a spring chicken, and he's still praying. God, I know it's kind of impossible, but we're going to keep praying for this child. We're going to keep asking because we believe that you can do anything. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You're going to name him John, which means the Lord is gracious. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. I love it. I love watching God show up in the life of somebody and do his thing, especially when that somebody has been living out an even though faith. God, it ain't working out. Nothing's going the way I want it to go, but I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep showing up. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He'll be great in the eyes of who? In the Lord. Herod thinks he's something special, right? I mean, when your motto is Herod the Great, right, you got an issue. But the angel says, no, 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 not really. Not really, John. In fact, John, you're, uh, Zachariah, Zachariah, your son John will be the great one. Sure, Herod will make more money. He'll build more buildings. He'll subjugate more people. He'll have more followers. But he won't give his life to humbly serving God. Your son will. Therefore, he's the one who will be great in my eyes. You see, we, myself included, we have to continually fight the temptation to let greatness be defined by this world and by people like Herod. That's what this NFL player we looked at last week, right? Um, Jason Brown. He played for the St. Louis Rams, the guy who, who walked away, right? Walked away from... $12 $12 million. I mean, he left $12 million on the table to go plant sweet potatoes to give the way to hungry people. And he said this, my agent told me I was making the biggest mistake of my life. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I have never felt more successful. He had a, he had a five-year, $37 million Contract. You never felt more successful, not in man's standards, but in God's eyes. And here's the bottom line. If you love God and serve God and accept his will for your life, if you walk with him faithfully, being and doing whatever he asks you to do and be, you're great in his eyes. You have success in his eyes. And and, and, and whatever he asks you to be, right? You know, the frame is set, right? The frame is set. Our destiny as Jesus' followers are to become more and more like Christ and to be used for his honor and glory, right? It's what we put on the inside that's different. And the cool thing about God is, you see, he told this parable about guys with different talents. And guess what? The two-talent guy was as successful as the five-talent guy, you know? And you know what? Some of you, it's what you're called to, right? 
Some people are called to, maybe it's just to be faithful to your wife as you, you watch her die before your eyes and nobody's going to write a book about you, right? There's not going to be a movie about you, but God says, that's what I called you to. I called you that, or I called you to teach children, or I called you to be a great mom. That's what I called you to, and if you're faithful to what I called you to, then you are a success in my eyes. And may that be said of us, and may that be said of our children and our children's children. When I consider my children and my grandchildren, when I think about, when I think about Chelsea and John and Leela and May Lee, and Gentile, and Zebulun, and Asher, and Micaiah, and, and Micah, who's on his way. I want them to be a success in God's eyes. I don't really care what the world says, and it's okay if they get some plaques in the world applause, but I want God to look at them and say, you know what? Your children and your grandchildren are a success in my eyes, because my eyes are the ones that matter. It was, you must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with great spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm old now. My wife ain't no spring chicken either. I'm too old. We're too old. It's too late for me. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to you to bring this good news. Where do you think I came from? Whose presence do you think I am in? I am Gabriel. Love it. Like, are you serious, bro? You're going to doubt me? But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent. Unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Listen, what God says will happen, will happen. Every time, all the time. In this encounter, it, it's kind of cool. You, you, you'll see God, Gabriel with this angel, he uses the word will 10 times. God says, this will happen. You will have a son. He will turn their hearts back. This will happen because God said it will happen. Our God is sovereign. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures, of Solomon said that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. When his time of service was completed, finished his job, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he's looked upon me with favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. For five months, she does what? She does nothing. I mean, she's just worshiping God, rubbing her belly, making baby blankets, setting up the nursery, and rejoicing that for five months she has a mute husband, right? You know? <laughs> he, he can't say a word. I win every argument. I love it. God loves her and he blesses her and he answers her prayer. She's going to be a mom. And her son's going to be a prophet who prepares a way for the Lord. And yeah, they, they may have thought it was too late, but they were wrong. 
And because they kept showing up, because they kept showing up when the time was right, God unfolded his destiny in and through them. Now, why would anyone think it's too late for them to be used by God to fulfill our destiny? Here's three easy reasons we think, all right? Number one, I'm too what? Too old. Moses was 80. Caleb was 85. Abram was 90. They're probably in their 80s. You know, I told this at the first service, and I said it in the service as well. You know, one of the things I'm really excited about in our three-year plan, you know, is that it's for everybody, right? It's not just a student plan or a young married family plan. It's for everybody who's breathing, all right? And God is going to unleash our senior adults in this church in the coming three years like never before. If you didn't think the plan was for you and you're getting older, I want you to know the plan is for you. God wants to do things in you. God wants to work through you. God wants to unleash the power of our senior adults like never before. I mean, I was sitting at home just this past week with a couple ladies, Brenda, Mary, Catherine. Man, do they have a story. Some, some ladies are going to need to hear their story, what they've been through, the trials, and how they're, guess what, they've been in this church, Mary Catherine, for over 60 years. They've been faithful to God for over 60 years, and they've been through some stuff. You know, so I want you to know, it's, you're not too old. If you're here, I'm going to prove it to you in the next three years. God's going to prove it to you. He's got things he wants you to do. There's things you can do for this church. We need you. We need you engaged. We need you involved. Another reason we can think it's too late, because you know what? Yeah, I got too many sins, too many failures. Man, they're just too great. I messed up too many times. I just say, did you ever, like, murder somebody? Don't tell me that. I don't... You know, did you, you know, guess who murdered somebody? David. Were you ever a terrorist? Ripping Christian families apart? Paul was. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's not too late because of your sin. Or, or you think, I wasted too many opportunities, right? I just blew it. God gave me so many shots, and I, I didn't. Who cares, right? Uh, Peter wasted a big opportunity, right? He had an opportunity to stand up for his friend and his Lord, and he didn't. But was that the end of Peter's story? Absolutely not. Destiny, it's never too late. If you're in this room, God wants to use you. No matter how old you are, no matter how many times you messed up, no matter how many opportunities you let sift through your fingers. And it's also, it's never too early. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, this is probably an exciting time for Mary, right? She's engaged to Joseph, she's young, she's a virgin. She's looking forward and planning her wedding day. Anybody ever plan a wedding day out there? You know, uh, uh, I did a wedding last Saturday, and I got another one coming up on the 29th. You know, and that's what Mary's thinking about. You know, do I have the dress? You know, hey, do we get, we have our cake, and what are the announcements going to look like? And where's the reception at? And do we have all the flowers and all that stuff? And all is fine, and all is normal, all is well, until Gabriel enters the picture with this remarkable message. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Zechariah's reaction was to the angel was to be terrified and overwhelmed. Mary's was to be confused and disturbed. 
And I think what confused her is the same thing that confuses me. She's like, why would God highly favor me? You ever had those thoughts? I woke up with those thoughts yesterday. And I wrote them in my journal, and I make this Facebook post for my journal. 12, 13, 14, I love that. You know, the future's moving forward. Lord, I long for your presence. Father, it's unbelievable that I messed up, broken, sinful, doubtful, finite, and rarely have it together me, can stand in the very presence of the one who is, who was, and who always will be. The one who breathes out stars and holds the oceans in his hands. Lord, when I even attempt to reflect for a moment on who you really are and who I know I am, all I can do is shake my head and, and are you kidding me? Disbelief. Why? Why do you love me so much? Why do you pursue me with such passion? Why do you believe in me despite my falls and my rebellion? Why does my pain and sorrow matter so much to you? I mean, you store my tears in a bottle. Why do I matter so much to you? Why are you always there waiting for me to show up to meet with you? Why were you here this very morning waiting for me, longing to be with me? Lord, I just don't get it. It makes no sense. I don't understand your crazy, unbounded, uncontainable, unstoppable, unwilling to crush my only son passion to be with me, Steve Malone. It's just crazy, insane, beyond all reason. However, I'm more determined than ever to spend the rest of my days trying to believe in it, believe in your love and acceptance more fully, and live in it more completely. To no longer be so suspicious of it. I mean, there's no place that I'd rather be. Yes, I, Steve Malone, matter to the sovereign king of the universe. And Lord, I so long for the day when that divine and perpetual truth, I matter to God, is fully, really, completely enough, is more than enough for me. And Dad, I cannot thank you enough for patiently waiting for me to get to that place. That could have been bad. I, I would call that a dramatic fall on my butt on the table, and he's out. Thank you, God. Why? What, what, what? Why are we so suspicious of his love? Does he really love me like that? Why are we so suspicious of his acceptance of us? Murray's like, I'm confused. How can I find favor with you? Because I made you and I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter. How could you not? Gotta be like, how could you not find favor with me? I made you, you're my image, you're my, you're my daughter, I love you. Yeah, I know what you've been through. I know the bad choices you made. I know the stupid things you've done. But I love you anyhow. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. Valid question. <laughs> angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant old age. People used to say she was barren. People used to say, people always got a lot to say. Right? They used to say you'll never... Be what God wants you to be. You'll never overcome that. You'll never be that. You'll never accomplish that. People got a lot to say. But I'm here today to tell you what, God has the last say. People used to say, she's barren, she'll never have a child. God will never fulfill destiny. They don't know what they're talking about. People used to say. But she's conceived a son. And now is in her sixth month. For nothing is in 
possible with not making it up. Our God can. He can. Our God can create everything out of, out of nothing. Our God can cause a, a, a 80-year-old couple to have a son. Our God can cause a, a middle school girl to give birth to the Messiah. Our God can part seas. Our, our God can slay giants. Our God can calm storms. Our God can bring peace to our pain. Our God can defeat our enemies. Our God can do anything. Amen? And that is why we're happy and hopeful. That is why we sing and pray, because our God is a God of the impossible, a God who takes nobodies from nowhere and does great things. So Mary takes it all in, this 14-year-old girl, and she gives God the most amazing response I think has ever been given. It's legendary. Mary responded, I, I, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I love it. I mean, here's a simple 14-year-old girl from a simple town. She, she has very little. She knows very little. I mean, she's not formally educated. She doesn't have 97 versions of the Bible on her smartphone. She hasn't been to Bible college or seminary. She only knows a few bits and pieces of scriptures that she hid in her heart. But one thing that Mary has, she has faith. She actually believes that what God says is true. She actually takes God at his word. I understand most of us in this room, this guy included, we have a whole lot more information than Mary had, and we have a whole lot less faith in it. We think, well, I need to know more. God says, you know what? Hey, how about believing what I already told you? How about believing you're free? How about believing I love you and quit being so suspicious of it? Of it? How about believing I accept you in Christ and quit trying to earn it by the stuff you do and don't do? She just believed it. It's amazing. I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. It's up to him. It's not up to me. It's his story, not mine. And remember, before Gabriel showed up, she had her own script, right? Man, she had her wedding plan. The dress was actually going to fit that she ordered, right? It was going to fit. No one's going to say you're a bad person because she was still a virgin. I'm going to marry Joseph. We're going to have babies. It's going to be wonderful. And then Gabriel shows up and says, you know what? I got a new script. Mary says, dang. <laughs> Whatever the Lord wants to write, it's his script, not mine. It's his story, not mine. I love him. I trust him. I am his servant. Says the junior high school girl. Reasons why we may think it's too early as we wrap up. I'm too young, right? Obvious one, right? Married teenage girl. Josiah, the Old Testament, became king when he was eight. At age 16, he joined up with another guy in his youth group named Jeremiah, uh, the prophet, not the bullfrog, and they brought about, that's like the easiest joke in the world. You say that, you get laughs, even though it's not, you know, it's good. Um, and, and, but him and Jeremiah, Josiah and Jeremiah, brought about the biggest revival the Old Testament had seen in centuries. They're not too young. When I look at our student, <clears throat> when I look at our student movement, you're not too young to be used by God. I mean, we have students doing great things. We have students, 
don't know how many serve in our children's ministry. They go out and they rake leaves. They go out and they, 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 they sing Christmas carol. And they, they go out, they come out here on a Friday night and help babysit so people can go out and, and buy Christmas presents. You know, you know, our student movement is doing some great and incredible things. You're not too, you're not too young. If you were here Friday and Saturday and you saw this stage full of, of a bunch of children, right? You know, I would say that they're not too young, are they, to be used by God? You're not too young. You know, <clears throat> this, this past week in our, in our D group, <clears throat> my voice is hoarse a little bit from shouting, go Navy, beat Army, but I won't bring that up. But anyhow, sorry, I digress on purpose. Okay, but Kemper was sharing, you know, about how his, uh, his grandma, you know, had, had passed away recently. He really loved her, had a great relationship with her, and she's been sick for a long time, and so he kind of lost her six years ago because she hasn't really been there mentally. And he overheard Julie talking to Cameron, um, their kindergartner, and, and, and this week. And Julie said, hey, you know, Kemper, daddy may be a little sad because his... You know, his grandma died. Kemper goes, oh. He goes, is she in heaven? So he goes, well, yeah, she's in heaven. He goes, oh, okay. And he just goes, he goes, okay, we're good. Oh, she knew, we're good. I mean, childlike faith, right? He's not, that well, did she, what did she do, when, where, where, did she, how we know, what's she doing right now with God? What is she, yeah, yeah, oh, childlike faith, right? You know, and, and it totally lifted my brother Kemper up. You, you're, you're never too young, and and, and, and speaking of young people, and, you know, uh, you know, we're about to do the service change. You know, right now we usually have like 20 in first service kids and maybe 90 to 100 kids in second. We kind of want to mix that up. So obviously there's opportunities for more people to serve in children's ministry, especially in the first service, right? Because you're going to go from 20 kids maybe to 60 to 70 kids. And, and, and I want to challenge you as you're filling out what service you're going to attend, right? You know, 9 or 1045 and... Or, and if maybe you're willing to move, to say, hey, you know, I'm going to help my children's ministry. You know, I haven't thought about it before, but I was thinking I was too old, but dang it, I'm not too old. Steve just said I wasn't. I'm thinking I'm too messed up, but guys, I'm not too messed up. You know, I can, or I'm too young. And so I just challenge you to do that, right? You know, to make an impact on some young lives. You can do that as we do this together. And, and uh, real quick, these things will be super quick, seriously quick. Um, another reason we could think it's too early I need to live a little first, right? Hey, there's some sinning I need to do, <laughs> and then I'll do God. That is just stupid, right? And if anybody says that, if you know them close enough, just slap them. Say, that is just so stupid. Yeah, let me create a bunch of baggage to carry around for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's smart. All right, stupid. Um, I, needed to get, I need to get some stuff straightened out first. Well, how about getting it straightened out as you're serving God? Because if you wait to have it all together to serve God, you'll be in the ground for like 100 years and just worm bait, right? And you still won't be serving God, right? All right? That's, that was, sorry. Um, number four, yeah, I don't know enough to serve God, right? It's too early. I don't know enough. Well, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know the difference that Jesus made in your life? All right. And, and here we're going to, I, I got to rock this so quickly. Um, this last point is really exciting to me. A destiny, it's, it's never too early. It's never too late. Destiny, it's what we do with what he has done and what he does. I want to show you an AT&T commercial and grab a truth from this, and then we're going to be done. But you're going to love it. Okay. 
as I said, it's what we do. It's what you do with what we do. They're saying, hey, you know what? We, we packed a powerful thing inside this phone. You know? And it's what you do with what we do that makes great things possible. All right? And that's what Destiny's about. It's about what we do with what God has already done and what God does. Peter writes this. I'm not making it up. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Given us what? Everything we need for a godly life. Given us what? Everything we need for a godly life. And, and check, check out this, what Paul says. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. All right, Paul, how, how, what's the big deal? Why are you so excited, Paul? What got you up in the morning, Paul? This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above every ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. See, it's what we do with what he's already done and, and what he does. By his divine power, he's giving us everything we need, right? He, he's, he's putting everything into our lives. Maple Grove, God has created you. He's giving his son for you. He sent his spirit to live inside of you. You are forgiving. You are free. You are redeemed. And you are filled with the very power and the very presence of his spirit. Talk about packing something full of power. And that's either true or it ain't, right? If it's not true, we ought to just walk out and leave. But that's what God has already done for us. He's already saved us. He's already delivered us. He's already redeemed us. He's already put his spirit inside of us. And listen, because our God, didn't, our God isn't just done, our God also does. He works miracles. He restores broken people. He uses the least likely. He gives strength to the weak. He, he speaks truth over our lives that is alive and active. And some of you heard that truth, and it's starting to make you alive even this morning. Not because I said it, because, but because it's God's word. He overcomes all that opposes and comes against us. He gives his peace in the midst of our pain. That is what he does. And listen, it's what we do with what he did and does that determines our destiny. It's what you and I do with what he's already done and what he still does that determines our destiny. The frame has already been set. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and what I'm trying to say, and, and I really think if, if Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary were here, they would back me up. And it's because of what... If this wasn't true, man, it wouldn't be worth it. But it's true. It is true. It is true. I'm not making this up, church. It's, it's what Christmas is about. And because of what Jesus Christ has already done and what he does, you and I, when it comes to our destiny, when it comes to becoming more and more like Christ, when it comes to, uh, to you and I being used for his honor and glory, like AT&T says, we need to rethink possible. We need to rethink possible. We serve a God where nothing's impossible. 
And it's not because of what we've done, but what he's already done and what he still does. Emmanuel's come. And he didn't just come to this earth church. He came to live inside of us. It's right there, man. This thing could do so much more than I'm doing it, right? There's so much more potential on this phone. And now I do a lot. I pay my bills. I check my emails. I do my Facebook. I pay my health insurance. I, 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 hey, I hit a deer. You know, Geico, go my Geico, right? I, you know, I, I, I keep track of my calories. I can, I can scan barcodes so I don't have to write down the calories. It'll, it'll read the barcode. It, it, it's what we do. It's what you do. It's what I do with what he did and what he does that determines our destiny. And it's time for us this Christmas season to rethink possible because of him. Would you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we can't get enough of you. We, 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 don't, we don't understand you. You're patient with us, God. We, we are so suspicious of you. We're, we're so suspicious of your grace. We're, we're so suspicious of your forgiveness. We, we don't even sometimes want to accept it, God. We're just suspicious of it. We're suspicious of your acceptance, and we keep trying to earn it by doing stuff or not doing stuff. And God, I praise you for being patient with us till we get to the place that you want us to be. And God, I pray you waken every one of us, young and old, Lord. And God, I, I pray you especially waking your, 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 your senior servants in this church, that their time is not over, God. That you have more for them for them just showing up in this building and walking away. God, that they have things they can teach us, Lord. They have things they can, they can share with that, that mom going through a hard time, Lord. That parent, that marriage going through difficulty, God. That, that, that family, military family whose grandparents live across the other end of the nation. And they never see them. And God, continue to awaken these young people. And all of us in between, and I'm getting higher and higher towards that upper end every day, God. And God, I pray that we'll keep showing up and allow for your destiny to unfold in us at the proper time. And God, it's in Christ alone. Christ alone determines our destiny. Not other people's opinions, not what they say, not our own opinions. You determine our destiny to become more like you and to be used for your honor and glory. Jesus' name.